identity in Christ. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and we've been talking about our identity is an identity of authority. How God has given us authority on the earth. And, and as believers, you have authority. And, and, and that is your identity. And so let's review real quick the word authority is what God has given us. So what does it mean? Authority is the legal power. It's the legal power or, or a right to command or to act. It means power. It means rule. It means influence. So when we're talking, and a lot of times that you'll see in the Bible where it says power, a lot of people think it's automatically dunamis. It's not automatically dunamis. A lot of times it's, it's translated power and it should be translated authority. And uh, so I want us to understand that not only do we have power, but we have authority, which is the legal right to move in that authority that God has given us. You know, Jesus, folks, we got to remember, we did not, uh, are you okay with this? We'll see. You realize that we don't have to ask Jesus into our heart. He asked us into his when we come to him and we accept him, all we're doing is accepting what Jesus has already done. See, when we come in and say, oh Lord, you know, please come into my I say, well, I remember the day that the Lord came into my heart. No, what you remember is the day you accepted the reality of salvation that was already finished on the cross and you accepted it as your reality. And was, does, that, does that negate or lessen the reality of what happened to you? Absolutely not. I remember the day. We won't sing the old songs. And, uh, and, and, and we have to understand that when God brought, uh, and we're going to look at scripture here in just a minute that's going, to, that's going to back that up. But when God brought us into his heart with that, it became, a, we became a, a, in a position of authority and a position within the kingdom. And we have to accept our authority just as much as you accepted your salvation. You have to accept, because see, if we just say these things, they don't mean much. And uh, I've not titled very many of these messages, but today I, I want us to go to the, the, the main scripture I want to read here real quick. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, but I'm reading from the mirror translation. If you don't know the mirror, uh, it's, it's a paraphrase of just certain books in the Bible. Francois Dutois, you know, it's, it's a great uh, study, so it's fun. But look what here what he says in, in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 from the mirror. It says, so here I am, dead and alive at the same time. I love that. Here I am, dead and alive at the same time. I am dead to the old me I was trying to be and alive to the real me which is Christ in me. See, the real you is Christ in you. The word says that it's the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of all of glory. So I love what he says here. It's the real me. Now look what he says. Co-crucified, now co-alive. When Jesus hung on the cross, you, hang on, you hung on the cross. 
Why? Because God came down, wrapped himself in humanity by taking on the form of Jesus' body, and he went to the cross as a man so that all humanity could be included in the crucifixion. Mm. Are you, are you, come on. See, I want to teach more. He says, so now we're co-crucified and now we are co-alive. The life you live now is not even your own life. You are now living the life of Christ on the earth. The word, well, what a, now this is, this is our title today. What a glorious entanglement. What a glorious entanglement. He, look what he says. He says, I was with him in his death, and he is in me in my life. See, when, we, when Jesus went to the cross, he brought all men into himself. He brought humanity. He took sin. Y'all realize Jesus did not take your sin on the cross. He became sin. See, think, well, gee, God put all the sin on the cross. Uh, you know, he, he took my sin. No, he didn't take your sin. Jesus became sin. Go into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He who knew no sin, what is that, verse 21? He who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. You see, he became something else so that you could become something else. He became sin so that you would become righteous. And because of this glorious entanglement now, when God looks, he doesn't look at Tyler. He doesn't look at Alice. He looks and sees Jesus and sees Jesus. Our problem is we still look in the mirror and we don't see the entanglement that God has done. We continue to see ourselves and our old hurt and our old past and our old addictions and our old stuff. And because of that, we try to live out a life that is not really ours You have, remember, what is the word doubt? It is a differing opinion. We develop a different opinion of ourselves than what God says about us. That's the sin. And so when, because we have a different opinion of ourselves, and we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, then we walk away. I was with him in his death, now, I'm, now he is with me in life. For the first time, I am free to be me in my skin, immersed in his faith and in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes in me. He is God's gift to me. God loves you and believes in you. And so he entrusted you with the authority of heaven. But folks, if we don't, Bob, can you back that up maybe to, uh, maybe to, yeah, the first one. <coughs> Next one, I'm sorry, Bob. The real me is Christ in me. Unless you develop this vision right here of yourself, we are always going to struggle with the things of this earth co-crucified and now made co-alive 
This authority is going to be based completely upon your acceptance of your position in Christ. And if you don't accept your position, we will always have these times of doubt and fear and struggle. And, and, and if you don't know your position, so that's the first thing you need to know today, is you've got to know your position. Too many times we hear believers talk about themselves like this, Sandy. Weak. Hey, let me tell you something. The church has, the church has made such a, a, a great use of this. We write songs about it. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They're precious. You know the rest of that says, even though they are weak, he is strong. We've declared it in our songs. We've, we've declared it in our, on, on our stuff when we talk about how far away God is and we just want to get closer. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Yeah, you can have more of the revelation of this. You can have more, but you're never going to get any more of God than you've got right now. How can you be any more tied to someone than being their body? That's like my big toe going, I want to be part of the body. I want to be part of the body. Let me be more. Let me be more. You can't get to be any more than already be a part of the body. You are the body of Christ. You can't get any closer than that. Quit saying this stuff, weak, frail, incompetent. I just keep coming up short. So you have a different opinion of yourself than God does. I love that part of the verse we just read. That verse we just read said, God believes in me. It's okay to believe in God, but I want you to know today, God believes in you. And here's the biggest one. And you all have heard me say it now for four years, three years. I'm just a sinner saved by grace you need to decide what you are you can't be both you either sinner or grace has saved you you can't be both well we're just sinners you, I'm, okay let's just take that phrase for a second Y'all okay? I'm, I'm, I'm hit teach mode again. It's Ted's fault. Let me tell you, this is not what, even what I was preaching today. I sat this week for almost 24 hours in my office because God just scratched everything I was doing and took me here. But let's just take that for a second. Saved by grace. We don't even understand what that even means. That saved is a past tense word, isn't it? So you can't be a sinner anymore. First, settle that in yourself right now. I'm not a sinner. Do I sin? Yep. Do I have the ability? I've got great ability to do it, Adrian. My ability to sin is awesome. I'm telling you, y'all have no idea. You think I stand up here all perfect. Y'all have no idea how great my ability is. 
but if I could just continue to look at myself that way, then I will continue to act that out. I have a different opinion of myself, and that's what drives me backwards away from my relationship with God. He, he never quits being father, but I just quit wanting to stand on the porch with him. You are alive in Christ. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We're talking about our position in Christ right now. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, out of the message translation, says it this way. God rescued us from, this is why I love the message version of this. King James, for we've been rescued out of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. I love how the message puts it. For God has rescued us from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He has set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. See, your position is set up in the kingdom now. We're not trying to get to the kingdom. You are walking in the kingdom now. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, the kingdom of heaven is in you. And that was people who didn't even believe Him. Well, let that one swallow your head. God has rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit. Well, I'm still living in the pit. No, you're not. Your mindset's still in the pit. Your thoughts about yourself are still in the pit. But we either have to admit to ourselves that the cross was enough or Jesus died for nothing. The cross was enough. <laughs> he loves us so much. The son he loves so much. I'm sorry, guys. The son who got us out of the pit we're in. Listen, I love how the message puts this. And got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. He got rid of the sins... We were doomed to keep repeating. Then why do I keep repeating them? Because you choose to do it because Jesus has already taken care of that thing and you keep doing something that is contrary to your nature and developing a different opinion of yourself. Hmm. Jesus got rid of that. He got rid of the sins you were doomed to keep repeating. Well, then why do people keep repeating sins? Because nobody's ever told them they're free. We would rather give them a 10-step program. Oh. Because we don't teach the power of the cross, Lana. We'd rather write the book. Let me, take, let me write you a book and tell you how to get out of your sexual sin. Let me write a book and tell you how to get out of your perversion. Let me write a book and let me see. See, what it's become, it's become if I can write a book and give you 10 steps, but see, what does that do? That makes your salvation and your deliverance all based on you. When the cross is enough. <sighs> Titus chapter 3. I don't know. I may just drop all this and run today, Ron. Titus chapter 3. I know we don't, people don't read out of Titus much, but Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. 
from the Passion puts it this way. For it wasn't that long ago that we behaved foolishly in our own stubborn disobedience. So why are people continuing to fall into the same sin? Why do I fall into the same thing? Because of my own stubborn disobedience. The devil didn't, Nipsey had it wrong. Devil didn't make me do it. Well, the devil's fighting me so hard. No, he's not. He's a defeated foe. Try it over here. He's really not fighting you. It's your stubborn disobedience. Because a defeated foe, where does Romans tell us that, that, that God has put Satan? Under our feet. He is, he's already, Satan's already under your feet. But how many testimonies you ever been into? I'm, they're, they're not really testimonies at all, Ted. They're declarations of the glory of the devil. I just want to tell y'all how much the devil's fought me this week. And there's a little fraction in there, but Jesus is good. And we've cheered people on. Yeah, yeah. You're not dead. You're not weak. You're not some measly little thing that has to try to fight the devil. You have already been given victory over the enemy. You have already been given the authority of heaven in your life. You have already been translated into the kingdom. You're not trying to get there. You're there now. So does that mean kingdom now? Absolutely it does. Wait a moment. Let's not make no bones about it. The kingdom is now. For it wasn't that long ago that we behaved foolishly in our stubborn, stubborn disobedience. We were easily led astray as slaves to worldly passions and pleasures. Our wa we wasted our lives in doing evil with hateful jealousy. We hated others. When the extraordinary compassion of God, our Savior, and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day. God's love is a person. And that person is Jesus. And that person said, here, I don't want to carry your sin. I tell you what I'll do. I'll become sin so that I can murder sin in its entirety on that cross. It's done. Now, you go out here and keep doing this stuff. It's your own stubborn disobedience. But the overwhelming, glorious passion of God came forth and his name was Jesus. And he said, I will take it all. I'll even go to hell for you. To a whole nother teaching. As humanity. That's why C.S. Lewis says that hell is locked from the inside. And you hold the key. <laughs> it's choice. All right, going on. Verse 5. And he came to save us. Not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but only because of his extravagant mercy. You're not saved by anything you did. Nothing you did. 
The only reason salvation is alive in you is because there was somebody who told you this and it pricked your heart and you accepted that reality. You accepted the finished work of the cross. And it became yours. He saved us, resurrecting us, verse 6. He saved us, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We are made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, Who's got a King James Bible? How's it say there? Verse 7. By being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to what? According to the hope of eternal life. You're heirs now. You're not trying to be heirs. And since, and I love how the passion puts it here. And as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, innocent before his face, we can now become heirs of all things. See, that's what God has made you. We've got people trying all these different things and, and, and going through all this different stuff and trying to become what God has already made them to be. They're trying to earn what God has already given to them. We have spent our time trying out a works-based salvation and this salvation and this authority was never, ever meant to be about you. It's all about Jesus. That's why I love this translation. In the first two, the last two verses we read, it started out, he saved us. He saved us. And now we become heirs of all things because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. And I love verse 8 out of this translation. How true and faithful this message See, we either accept those things as true. We accept our position as true. Or we continue to live out a life that is lower than what we... Now, let me tell you something. I wish I could tell you, Joanne, that I get it right every day. I don't. There are times that I get it really, really, really wrong. So you're in good company. Anytime you're with me, you're in good company. But that doesn't change God's thoughts of me. That doesn't change God's idea of me. That doesn't change the fact that God believes in me. But what about everybody else out here doing things? They're living contrary to what God has already done in them. And somebody needs to tell them. See, that's why people people say, well, you that way, then there's no need for evangelism. That's the greatest. That, that, that pushes you toward evangelism harder. That people need to awaken to how much God actually loves them. This, folks, this is your authority. Unless we know our place in Christ, we're struggling all of our lives 
We're always going to feel a slave to our passions, to our needs. We're always going to feel a slave to these things. And it's because we're living in a way that is contrary to God. Now, I want to make a statement here. How you view yourself is how you will talk about yourself. And those words will create your reality. Your view of yourself will determine how you talk about yourself. What's the word say? Out of the abundance of the heart. So what's really in your heart about yourself will come out. And it will come out the only way that it has to escape. And that's by your own lips. That's why uh, Proverbs says, in Proverbs 18, right around verses 20, says life and death are in the power of the tongue. The word says that you'll be filled, that your belly will be filled with the fruit of your lips. I'm not trying to preach on confession today. But your view of yourself, I'm just an old sinner. See, you, by thinking that, you're always going to keep yourself as feeling as not worthy. And when you feel not worthy, then it's hard to actually walk out Hebrew where he says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Because we'll never come boldly before God's throne of grace where there's grace and need for our help. For help, We'll never come boldly into God's throne room because we don't feel like we belong there. Now, you're going to see this statement several times over the next few minutes. How you view yourself is how you will talk about yourself. And those words will create your reality. Remember last week we talked about God created man. He breathed into man a living soul and man became, and it became to him a speaking spirit. God created you to be like him. God operates by words. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, the earth without form of void. And God said. And you keep going down through Genesis chapter 1, and all it talks about is God says. God says. God creates reality by his words. When he said, and let's go ahead and go there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, out of the message translation, says this way. says, God spoke and let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. So whose nature do you reflect? God's. Not trying to reflect God's nature. You reflect God's nature now. He, that's how he made humanity. So he said, and let us make man in our image and make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. Verse 27. And God created human beings. He created them God-like. That's how you were created. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. So what is God like about us? We are the only thing in his creation with that as a speaking spirit. 
He made you godlike. He put a speaking spirit in you. Out of that speaking spirit, it creates reality. But if you have a false opinion of yourself and you believe the opposite about yourself than God believes, you will begin to speak into your own life. Your own People talk about, you've heard the expression, self-fulfilling prophecies. That's a scriptural principle. Because you're a speaking spirit. Well, I tried to speak this in Sydney's life and speak this, but she's not, this is my kingdom right here. Now she wants to say, hey, pray for me. Speak something into my life. Then, then we're working together. That's why he says we're two or three are gathered together. In my name, he's in the midst. So he's talking about prayer in that. He's not giving you an excuse to have a few people at church. So he said, let us make man godlike. Make him in our image. Why? Because we're the only part of creation that has the ability to speak this like this. And because we have that ability, he said they have dominion over all the earth. Y'all okay? You know, there's more than one scripture. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I'm reading out of the Weymouth translation here. 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, verses 3 and 4. Seeing that his divine power has given us all things that are needful for life and godliness. Well, I need this and I need that. No, you don't. Either God is true here or he's not. God has already given us all things that are needed for life and godliness. I just want to be like God. It's already in you. That ability to do that is already in you. He has given us all things needed for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of him, not our knowledge of ourselves. Most of us are more self-conscious than we are God-conscious. We're more conscious of our own faults, we're more conscious of our own failures, we're conscious of our own shortcomings, rather than conscious of the power of Christ and the cross in our own life. He said, now all things are given to us uh, for life and godliness according to our knowledge of him who has appeal, appealed us, appealed to us by his glorious perfections. By, verse 4, by it mean, it, ugh, let me, I told you. It is by means of these, of what? His perfections that he has granted us his precious and wonderful promises in order that through them you may one and all become sharers of the very nature of God. King James Version says you are partakers of the divine nature. You are partaker. The divine nature is already in you. How do you know? Because he says right there, he's already given you everything that is needed for life and godliness. So in you is what you need. But, you, but we've got to quit looking out here for everything else to fill a void that only the reality of who we are in Christ can fill. This is why we run out here and we're constantly trying to please a flesh that is dying. 
zombified. He said, it's already given to you so that you may be partakers in God's very, in the very nature of God. Now look, having completely escaped the corruption which exists in the world through earthly cravings. So what is it that brings on destruction and corruption? It's earthly cravings. But according to this, the nature that is already in me is enough for me to overcome that and that I have already escaped that corruption if I operate within the nature that God has put in me. His nature. There was such a glorious entanglement between humanity and the divine that we are so wrapped up in God but we want to live out here that's why he said in Psalms I believe it's 82 he said have I not called you gods but you die like mere men Jesus even repeated it in the book of John right Jesus even repeated that. He said, look, I'm trying to show you who you really are. Adam was created this way, God-like. Jesus came to be the last Adam, the second Adam. He came to restore back to man. He said, hey, look, this is how you're supposed to be living. We've somehow reduced being Christ-like to not cussing. <laughs> Not listening to country music. Everybody knows that's a sin, right? I didn't say nothing about rock and roll. Bite your tongue. We've reduced being Christ-like to a series of do's and don'ts when it's really about you living out the nature of God in you. It's really about you walking in who God has made you to really be. Does that mean you can do anything? Didn't say that either. So don't run out here and declare that. But it doesn't change the reality of what the word says. <laughs> Last set of scriptures, you ready? Ephesians chapter 1. No, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1, then we'll read verses 4 through 7, then verse 10, then verse 13. So that way you know where we're going. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. What translation am I using? The Passion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And his fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins, and offenses. If you were once, that means you are not anymore. Amen? And where is God's fullness? It fills you. Not filling you. <laughs> and his fullness fills you. <laughs> Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your own sins and offenses. But God still, verse 4, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion 
and mercy. I was once a dead like a corpse, walking around in my own sin, in my own junk, and God loved me. With, by, why? Because of his compassion and his mercy. Now, I love verse 5. Sally, I love verse 5. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. When did God unite us into the life of Christ? I'm sorry, somebody said it, I heard it. When we, when we were dead in our sins. <laughs> you didn't even get a choice in it. Come on. I think the King James Version says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and brought us in. While we were yet sinners, he says, I'll take care of this and I'm bringing you in. All you have to do is there will come a day when this reality is real to you and you'll wake up and accept it. Folks, there's no more work to be done. This is good news. Verse 6. He raised us up with Christ. Now this is a continuation of when we were still dead. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. That is who you are now. It gives Philippians chapter 2 a whole different understanding when you start reading it that way. You know Philippians chapter 2, right? Talking about Jesus. He said, let this mind be in you. So what's he telling? Change your mindset. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who being equal with God, who, who being from God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You realize there's not a hierarchy in the Trinity, right? It's not God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, then the Holy Spirit. No, it's God. And God brought us into himself and sat us right on the throne with him. Is that not what scripture just said? For we are now seated with Christ. Jesus said, come on, this seat's big enough for all of us. Come on in, just sit down in me. Verse 7. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite. The visible display of the infinite. Limitless riches of his grace and kindness which are showered upon us in Christ. Now again, here's where people hear this kind of teaching and they think, well, just run out of here and just do anything. And, and it's, it's not excusing any of that. 
Matter of fact, the word is very clear on some things that you need to stay away from. But we want to focus on those things and not on this. When this is the reality of the gospel. It's who God has created you to be. Verse 10. Y'all are quiet today. This is good news. Verse 10. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus. You are joined to Jesus. Romans says that you, we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That word joint, it actually means like a welding or a bonding Two materials that have been so fused together they can never be separated. So he says, we have been joined, fused in to Christ. Mm. We have become one. The anointed one. Even before we were born. Man, I got southern on that. Y'all hear that? Born. Even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Verse 13, yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus you have actually been united to Christ fused joined united with Christ folks maybe it's just time that the things that have, we've been struggling with we quit saying well it's just my this and it's just my that or it's my burden to bear either the cross was enough or it wasn't either he became sin or he didn't because he is in, in the scriptures we've looked at today he has already declared us faultless he's declared us holy he's declared us righteous and it's just who we are now knowing that It'll make us think of the things that we're doing that are contrary to this nature. And all of a sudden I find myself, I don't want to do those things anymore. Because they put something on me that I don't want, Sheila. I don't want that guilt. I don't want that shame when I don't have to have it. It's just who you are. This is the authority. This is your identity in Christ. You are so much more. Right now, I want to tell you, Dee is back there with, what, three kids today? Four, however many of them is back there, I don't know. Three. And she's ministering to them about the 12 spies. And when they came back and they gave a report, and 10 of them said, there's giants in that land. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. We ourselves 
We come back to God and we say, God, that is a giant. And I am nothing. I'm just an old whatever. I'm weak, I'm frail. So God, I know that giant thinks of me that way. Here's the thing about them being a spy back there. You ready? One, a spy shouldn't have been seen. So how do they know the giants in the land thought they were grasshoppers? But their mentality created a reality that kept them wandering in a wilderness for 40 years. And your mentality about yourself and the authority that God has placed in you will create a reality that will keep you wondering, trying to find out, God, why has it happened? Why has it not happened yet? The children of Israel walked what? 12 miles in a circle? Or was it 40 miles in a circle? The children of Israel, how far did they walk? Actually, they were walking in a circle. What was it, 12 miles? 40 40 miles? That's That's as far as they walked for 40 years. Why? Because they saw themselves one way. They didn't have the same view of themselves that God had of them. And so they just kept going around. And folks, how you view yourself will be how you talk about yourself. And those words will create the reality of your life. Do we do it right all the time? Nope. But thank God he's always ready to set the reset button. Amen? So quit seeing yourself as your past. Quit seeing yourself as your faults, your failures, your mistakes. You are so much more. And that, and if I'm not mistaken, and if Dee hasn't changed her mind, they're back there right now making grasshoppers. <laughs> so they may need a few minutes, but they're back there right now making grasshoppers with the declaration, I am more than a grasshopper. And let me tell you something, folks. You are too. You're more than what you have thought about yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. You are glorious. You are grand. Thank you so much. Mm. Father, let us always remember what you have done in us. Let us always remember who we really are and who you have really made us to be so that we will walk in victory that you have given us. Not trying to get but victory that has already been won. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.